everyone's an expert on email, like from your mom to business leaders, everyone else we've grown up with email, but it hasn't changed for decades. And so I think that's both a huge challenge to overcome, but such a big opportunity if we can transform email. So that's why I'm here at Sedna today. Welcome to Hidden in Plain Sight, the enterprise revenue intelligence podcast for revenue leaders in, yes, sales, marketing, and customer success. Because we all share the same goal, revenue growth. Always more, always faster. We learn how to drive revenue as we examine real-life insights from multiple angles with human flavor since people buy from people. I am your host, Mariana Kogan, CMO and winner of the Forrester Marketing Program of the Year, and I will be joined by Art Harding, Season Revenue Leader. Welcome to this week's episode of Hidden in Plain Sight. I'm joined by my guest, Tom Lloyd from London. He's the VP of Marketing from Sedna. Welcome, Tom. Thanks for joining. Hey, great to be here. So this week's Hidden in Plain Insight is, as always, we love to talk about pipeline here at People AI, And we've learned, working with our customers, that while everyone's focused on out-quarter pipeline, there may be something hidden in plain sight, which is we may have a pipeline gap in future quarters that we're focused on, What's our confidence that we've actually measured that gap appropriately? Because we've seen anywhere from 25 to 50% of future quarter pipeline being unhealthy and more specifically dormant, meaning it's lacking the type of engagement, either the engagement levels or the engagement with the right personas. And given how important future quarter pipeline is to all of our future business performance, thought it'd be a great conversation to have with you today, Tom, about why is this discipline of future quarter pipeline management such a challenge? What does it mean to marketers and sales leaders? But before we dig into that, why don't you tell me a little bit about yourself and your role at Sedna? I know you just joined earlier this year and, and uh, what brought you to Sedna and your experiences so far? Yeah, thanks. Uh, yeah, I'm Tom. I worked in B2B SaaS marketing for the past decade or so, about seven of those years, been building leading marketing teams, worked in smaller startups, larger scale ups across UK and US. HR tech, UX research, and now email. Probably like most B2B marketers, I discovered it by accident, got in, kind of started learning about it myself, got my feet wet, my hands dirty, and here I am now somehow leading it at <laughs> a company. Yeah, I joined Sedra at the start of the year. What drew me to the company is the fact that it's equally a challenge and an opportunity. So on the one hand, email is business critical system. If you went to anyone in any company and said, hey, would you switch your email off tomorrow? I would be like, hell no, that's a stupid idea. But if you ask anyone, do you love your email? Do you even like email? Everyone would also say, well, hell no, I don't like email at all. So it's that opportunity to transform something that's so pervasive in our everyday lives. You know, our, our CEO, Bill, he always says, everyone's an expert on email. Like from your mom to business leader, everyone else, we've grown up with email, but it hasn't changed for decades. And so I think that's both a huge challenge to overcome, but such a big opportunity if we can transform email. So that's why I'm here at Sedna today. Awesome. What a great lead in. I think one of the themes that's come out with some of our prior guests is that we develop relationships with technology, habits, expectations, and attitudes. But the technology moves so quickly, it feels like the capabilities of what we could do are always just a little bit ahead of our mind shift in our paradigm as to what to do, right? And it sounds like Sedna's helping us with that in the email space. So 
All right, well, let's get to pipeline. You and I have had a couple conversations. We've talked about the pipe and the pipe, that it's everyone's job and no one's job. I love some of these concepts. Let's actually start with the concept of healthy pipeline. And as a marketer, what do you consider to be healthy pipeline? Or what are some of the characteristics of healthy pipeline? Yeah, I think the first thing is it moves. I mean, by that, you see stuff going from stage to stage. It doesn't get stagnant. It doesn't stick along the way. You know, closed loss is also a healthy movement. We need to move stuff out. Then we could do something else with it. And that's potentially future pipe right there. So I think that's the first bit. It, it's something that keeps moving and moving into the future and ultimately converting. I think the other characteristic is it moves in a predictable and consistent way. So it doesn't suddenly disappear. At the beginning of the quarter, you know, sales leader says, hey, everyone clean up your ops and, you know, six million pipeline disappears. And you're like, okay, uh, that changes my plans for the quarter. Or you don't have big deals that sit there and kind of mask the health of the pipeline. If you have stuff sitting there in the wrong stage, the wrong kind of value against the wrong account, whatever, it's going to make your pipeline look more healthy than it is until it suddenly disappears or doesn't get put into commit. And then everything changes. So yeah, it moves, it moves predictably, and ultimately it converts. Absolutely. And I I think when we think about this predictable and consistent movement, and Mm. I couldn't agree with you more, close lost is just as valuable as close one when done properly at the right speed and cadence, right? Nothing's actually more expensive for a sales organization than than an opportunity that should have been closed lost before its time, because it really obfuscates where we're actually at. You also mentioned the composure of it, the deal bans and the dollar values against those accounts. What I think is interesting is when we talk about the movement or progression of pipeline, most of the telemetry and signals that we depend upon today are actually almost entirely dependent upon a salesperson, a sales leader, a sales enablement and ops team educating humans to come back from performing a terribly complicated task, which is selling and doing discovery and moving opportunities. And we have to remember not only accurately everything that just happened that day, we actually have to be disciplined enough to go back and do the updates, at which point most historical pipeline models are measuring not your actual pipeline or your engagement with your customers and accounts. It's actually measuring your sales team's data entry efficacy and their consistency. And so one of the things that I think is interesting is how does a sales methodology play into, as a marketer, does a sales methodology play a role for you in terms of like knowing where pipeline is in terms of speaking to the sales team about the maturity of pipeline? Yeah, no, I think like to your point, big respect to salespeople and marketing people like for the amount of acronyms we have to memorize the answer, okay, MedPick and you know, ABM and all that stuff. And coming back from actually doing the hard stuff and being expected to enter it in, do your homework, that kind of piece is a big cognitive load across the teams. I think when it comes to that conversation, works together, there can be a disconnect. I think you know, there can be what's, I can't remember, was it Jason Lemkin who said, VP of sales marketing and the mom and dad of revenue, right? They got to talk and understand the pipeline piece. And I think we don't always have the common language to effectively understand what that means, not just in terms of forecast, but in terms of what marketing needs to do, what sales needs to do to keep stuff moving through. So I think that's a potential disconnect that we have in that field. Agreed. And I don't think that the technology that's now moving into the spaces removes the need for a disciplined sales methodology and a consistent opportunity management cadence. It actually now becomes a precursor. If you're still struggling 
with what your sales methodology is, what each stage of your sales process means, and the criteria for opportunities, you're actually not going to be able to take advantage of some of the automation, AI, and data capabilities in the market today. Because you and I know that Healthy Pipeline now is not just what the AE or maybe the rest of the team that's touching a prospect or customer tells us, that we can get real telemetry about how often, who, and with who we're actually having engagement, which is an excellent complement to a sales measurable sales methodology and allows us to ensure that that pipeline is progressing, not just through the clicks mm-hmm. in our CRM, but actually progressing in the real world as well. So as we talk about healthy pipeline, particularly out quarter pipeline, we were joking you, it's very difficult to fix the quarter you're in, depending upon your sales cycle length. What's the cost to marketers of unhealthy pipeline? When you're looking at a pipeline objective or goal and a basis for what your pipeline is, if there's unhealthy pipeline out there, how does that manifest itself for marketers in terms of cost? Yeah, I mean, I think you touched upon it, which is actually trying to fix the quarter in is that the next quarter out or the next two. So I think there's immediate material costs. You spend more cash and more time trying to acquire a new pipe in quarter that pushes sales efficiency down, reduces your CAC. But I think the bigger picture is the growth cost that comes from it. And what I mean by that is when you have a team that's trying to meet increasingly large targets. Again, I don't know about you, I've never been in a company where the target goes down every quarter and you're trying to hit 4x coverage. The team gets really focused on short-term activities, tactical stuff, spam emails, promotions that erode value, reduces your brand perception, but also stops you thinking strategically about actually how do we hit that growth curve in six months, in 12 months time. So I think that's the biggest cost to the business, get that future pipe coming through. And then ultimately, it erodes the alignment and trust between marketing and sales because you're flooding them with bad leads, you're not delivering, and then the pipeline ironically gets worse, and then it becomes this vicious cycle. So I think that's the real cost on, to the business and to the marketing thing. Yeah, it's uh, pipeline is one of those team sports that feels like ordinary things done well over time is what actually builds a healthy pipeline, whereas... What I just heard you described, I've, I've definitely seen in my life, which is pipeline thrashing, which is here we are, we've yes. got the problem. So let's spam, let's incent, let's sponsor. And you mentioned it erodes the relationship between sales and marketing. It can often erode your relationship with your customer, and it certainly erodes right. everyone's confidence. Right. When you can declare what your problem is and do ordinary things well over time to systemically improve your pipeline engine... That's your customers know you have to grow, your sales and marketing team. So getting everyone on the same page with what the actual problem statement is and then systemically building those capabilities can increase that trust. So one of the other things you mentioned, 4X pipe cover, what drives the coverage ratios that that most people think they need for their business? Like why not 5X or why not 2X pipe cover? Yeah. Yeah, it's a great question. So I think we take the benchmark, hey, we want to close a win rate at 20, 25%. Therefore, we need X. I think it's actually not questioned as much as it should be. And I think we have to take a realistic look at what the actual values are flowing through the pipeline. And I've been guilty of this too, kind of looking at benchmark as the aspirational thing. Hey, we should be performing to this versus looking at actually what's there. Hey, if your win rate is super low, maybe you do need 10x coverage or... How do we improve the win rate, improve intrastage conversion? How do we shorten that sales cycle? We're not looking at those elements as much as we should. And often it just becomes a volume thing like, hey, next quarter, here's a target, 4x that, here's your percentage contribution, go get it. And I think that's the potential downfall of that approach. As someone who sat cross functionally across sales and marketing teams, I've often 
tried to encourage the sales and marketers to understand that that our win rates in the sales world and the discipline with which we progress and dispose of opportunities actually has a direct correlation on the marketer's budget, right? And so the difference between a win rate of 25% versus into the 30s can be the difference between 3x and 4x pipe, which, as you know, can be fundamental difference in the quantity of programs and the density of the programs which we're using to drive that pipeline. So maybe one of the other hidden in plain sights this week is your win rate drives pub cover. So improve your win rates and you can make your marketer's jobs more focused. I don't think the marketer's job is ever easy, but if you know who you win with and where you win, we can improve those conversion rates and you can put more dollars against higher impact programs. 100%. So we've thrown a couple of things out there that pipeline, one of the concepts we use here is when it comes to PG and pipelining, that everything works and nothing works. It seems like pipeline's a dynamic, moving target. In today's environment, we're encouraging our customers to look at their pipe within their pipe that the buying criteria, the decision process, and who even has authority has shifted. The macroeconomic Mm -hmm. environment has caused that. So this is where a systemic sales methodology allows us to go out and re-qualify that pipe. Given that pipeline does feel like a team sport, it's cross-functional in nature, you had mentioned that it's everybody's job and nobody's job. We have a statistic that shows 60 plus percent of sales teams say that they've not been trained properly on managing pipeline. So as you think about this team sport where it's everybody's job and nobody's job and sales teams are saying they're not getting trained on pipe, what's the answer? It's a tough one. So I think half of it, I say when I hear that statistic, which is it resonates to me, I think, okay, it makes sense. Process changed a lot. Enablement and onboarding doesn't always catch up to that as quickly. So you get new BDRs coming in, new AEs who have a different set. So that immediately creates inconsistency. So I think, okay, great. More training is needed. On the other hand, I also see that a lot of resource, a lot of energy does go into training that process. You have RevOps, you have enablement, the marketing team, and everyone involved in helping push that process through. So I think the answer there is actually training perhaps is not effective on its own for managing pipeline. And there's a philosophical argument there. Is it actually anyone's job to have to do the admin side of that? Can that be delegated to technology? We pushed it to specialist roles, but as we know, RevOps can get snowed under with lots of tactical firefighting very quickly. So what the answer there is perhaps more effective training plus, I would say, technology, AI, something to help bridge that gap between the management side and what actually needs to be done, which is selling more or marketing more or speaking to your customers. Yeah, it's interesting as you talk about is it everybody's job or no one's job? When I describe pipeline as a team sport, I get universal nodding of heads. When I ask who's on the team and who's the captain of the team, that's where I think the conversation starts to get complicated. Do you have any theories? It feels like forecasting is a discipline that sales teams are very comfortable with. They've got models, they've got disciplines, they, they may get lots of telemetry. Ultimately, there's instinctual calls that get made, but it just does feel like the formal cadence and operating rhythm around the forecast is more developed than around pipe build. Any thoughts or thinking as to why that might be? Yeah, I mean, I think it comes back a bit to pipe is the precursor to the target and the precursor to the forecast. Therefore, it's the big volume forex thing. Like that's kind of the key thing as long as that volume is coming through, pipe kind of take care of itself. And then forecasting becomes almost maybe a comfort zone for sales leadership. You know, it's a great touch point with the AEs. It's a good way to use the telemetry, as you say, to triangulate that. But I think the level of 
energy, time, thought, sophistication that goes into that forecasting is not necessarily matched on the pipeline side. And it's more down to an equation versus that team sport piece, which is actually what's the play across the business, across functioning, as you've mentioned, pre-sale, post-sale, to hit those numbers and actually improve the forecast itself. So I think it's almost backwards in a way. Forecasting is like the lagging indicator of what came before it. And we're not focusing on actually the real forecast is the stuff two quarters out, three quarters out. So yeah, perhaps we've placed all the emphasis on the wrong part of the process there. Yeah, it's uh, you certainly struck a nerve with me and the folks at People AI. We, we do think of the forecast as a lagging indicator. It is puzzling that the discipline and rigor around the forecast call is existent in 90 plus percent of sales organizations. Everyone shows up, attendance is mandatory, they've got a script and everyone knows that you've got to call the number this quarter. We also know that anywhere from a fourth to half of our quarter pipeline isn't active, isn't healthy, and you won't get a lot of disagreement from people while they say, hey, I got to run to the forecast call for this quarter. You're like, well, next quarter is going to become this quarter very quickly. And it is interesting how we it doesn't appear we have the same cadence or commitment to the management of this pipeline. I know you and I have talked about the fact that some of that stems from the fact that it is everyone's job and no one's job. And that it also requires different skills across the different functions. What marketing needs to do to start the pipeline engine sales in terms of receiving and progressing it. And then your post-sales teams in terms of delivering on promises to create case studies which feed back into the pipeline engine as references. Excellent. Well, as we wrap up today, any calls to action for you in terms of as you're speaking to sales leaders out there as a marketer, especially given everything that's changed in the economy and the world today, any calls to action or asks you have for your co-parents on the sales yeah. side of the house? I think it's your point when the economy changes, markets change. You need to look at one, the current pipe to see, okay, is the pipe we thought was pipe one quarter ago is still pipe today? But also what's the new go-to-market approach, structure, strategy in this new market? And marketing typically is at the forefront of that. Who are we targeting with what kind of offers? Like how are we getting people into the pipe? That has to be aligned across sales. So my call to action is salespeople, talk to your co-parent on the revenue side. Let's figure out the strategy together of how we get through. Lest we hit that wall in another three months' time, suddenly the pipe drops out. We're in crisis mode and we're trying to, as you said, solve for the quarter in quarter when actually it's too late. So I think it's let's figure out an approach now before it becomes that crisis in a quarter's time. Excellent. Well, thank you, Tom. I think I'll wrap up this week's Hidden Plain Sight podcast with a call to action, which is... If you haven't noticed, the playing field has changed out there where we're selling and marketing. This is where your sales methodology and a measurable sales methodology becomes so critical so that we can go out and requalify the pipe we think we have, particularly for the next two quarters. And we can expect further volatility. Your sales methodology allows you to systemically ask your sales team to revalidate decision-making process, revalidate who your economic buyers are, revalidate who the decision-makers are in your process. So hopefully you've got the ability today to take a look and inspect your pipeline beyond just the data entry of your sellers. If not, I'm sure Tom and I would be happy to talk to you about how to improve that as two professionals with a passion for pipeline. So hidden in plain sight, 25 to 50% of your next two quarter pipeline is sitting in a dormant, unhealthy action. Wake it back up, requalify it, and then partner with your marketers to close the gap. Thank you, Tom. Awesome. Great chat with you. Great. Thanks, Art. 
Hidden in Plain Sight, the Enterprise Revenue Intelligence Podcast is brought to you by PeopleEye. Make sure to search for Hidden in Plain Sight in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen to your podcast. Be sure to click subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. On behalf of the team here at PeopleAI, thanks a lot for listening.